name is Rian Haynes. I serve here on staff as the Global Ministries pastor. And um, I love when I see pastors and leaders come to this kind of a session because you have a ton of options out there. And sometimes, certainly not always, missions is not necessarily the primary choice for pastors. And yet it surprises me many times because your church typically, whether you know it or not, invests a lot of money in missions. Okay, sometimes knowingly you know what you've allocated to missions, but unknowingly your congregation is involved in missions in some way, shape, or form. And I do think it's incumbent upon us to provide a context and an environment for our congregants to engage in a holistic manner. Um, I know, I'll just tell you one brief story. I know a guy who's a seven-figure giver to missions. He does not give his seven figures to his local church. And when asked by this organization that we work with why he doesn't give his money for missions specifically. Now, he tithes and he gives, but he gives seven figures above and beyond his tithe to missions. And when asked, why do you not do it through your local church? He said, because my local church does not provide a missional context through which I can engage. So think about that statement. I would challenge you there are many people like that sitting in your pew. And hopefully, this session provides two things. One, just a few challenging questions for you to answer. And two, some individuals right here that we have already labored with and identified as just some unbelievable opportunities to consider. So answering the question, how to be commission's partner. Uh, we have, and I try to put a positive spin on this, we have the privilege of saying yes to about 4 to 6% of the requests we get a year. We say no 94% of the time. So how do you say no, right? You cannot let your engagement be driven by emotion. So many pastors say, well, I just felt it was a great opportunity. Now, I'm not saying Holy Spirit-led. I'm talking about emotions, right? We've got to balance our emotions and how we feel with obedience and who God called us to be. And so the first thing we did as a church is we established what we call a missions matrix, identifying who we are, who God called us to be, because you can only export what you possess. So if you have a dynamic children's ministry that are just knocking it out of the park, and that is not part of your missions expression, there's a massive disconnect between what you do in the nations and who, you're, who God really called you to be. Okay, and so this is not what that that is not what this session is about. If you want us to engage with you as a church at any point in time to help you uh, figure out your mission strategy and matrix and how do you ask certain questions and how do you pick a partner, uh, we would love to walk that path with you. We do that with a number of churches, and then uh, it just makes the selection process easy. Takes emotion out of it puts value in the front part of it, um, and then you get to have the opportunity to pick guys like these to work with. Um, and so the reason we have these guys up here to talk is so that you can see the quality of what's out there. Uh, we've already done the weeding for you, okay? So the first guy I want to introduce is a good friend of mine, Reed Grafke. 
Reed was actually the executive missions pastor at Gateway Church, so the church with the largest missions budget in the world in Dallas, in South Lake, Texas. Reed was the executive over missions there, and so he probably more than I did had a gazillion requests for missions, right? And so if there is a guy that knows how to weed through the process, it's Reed. Now, Reed has stepped out of that role, uh, feeling God really pushing him to pursue some other things. And a guy who could pick any organization to work with on the planet and who has phenomenal relationship with so many organizations chose to work with Every Home for Christ. And so just that alone should lend tremendous credibility to Every Home for Christ as an organization. Now, when I talk to people about Every Home for Christ, I am so surprised how little they know about that organization. Now, Every Home for Christ for us is one of our tier one. We have four tiers of partners. They're a tier one partner, which means they're at the top of the list. We only have about five of those they're at the top of the list. We engage with them very heavily. We send over 100 students every year to work with them. And we did now, just to quickly capture for you as a church, we did a three-year campaign to go door-to-door in Trinidad and Tobago, and we completed both islands completely in taking the gospel to every home. Great, amazing opportunity. But it wasn't just about evangelism. When I went with Every Home for Christ... It is the level of intentionality of discipleship, church planting, and success that has really captured our heart as a church planting church and a leadership-driven church to engage with them. So I want to introduce to my buddy Reed and give him a few minutes to talk about every home. And uh, at the end, we're going to have a time for Q&A so you can ask these guys some questions uh, that you may have. Thank you, Rion. I'm honored by your comments and also honored to be up here with uh, Every Child Matters and Hard Work and uh, just uh, love uh, being connected to you guys and appreciate what you do. Um, Twenty years ago or so, one of the three sermons that in my life that I can remember uh, pretty much verbatim because it had such an impact on me was sitting with a group of 20 leaders in a room. Uh, Ralph Mahoney at the time was an aging missionary that founded World Map, and Ralph was talking about how their strategy to reach the lost had changed at a, a critical time in their ministry. A lot of other leadership stuff he shared with us, but this one point forever changed my trajectory. And Ralph uh, said that we used to go do these massive crusades and get tens of thousands of people saved. And we'd go there back to that same city the next year or two years later, and 90% of the converts that we worked so hard and spent so much money to get evaporated. Uh, They weren't in the churches. um, And we knew we had to change our strategy. And through a season of fasting and prayer, um, the Lord said to them, next time you go and you get the converts, stay an extra week and identify the leaders in the groups and and train them for a week to be pastors. And so they went from a pure evangelism organization to a church planning and equipping uh, leadership development organization. 
And when they would go back in subsequent years, the statistics literally reversed. Uh, 90% of those people were still in the kingdom and actively serving. Um, when I had the opportunity to begin serving Every Home for Christ, uh, this was a huge factor for me. Uh, like Rion said, uh, new life, it's a huge factor for them. Uh, we're, we're known as the 67-year-old missions organization that's got half the world saved two or three times over. And that's not really true. Uh, we're in 130 countries. Uh, we're seeing right now we're trending around 45,000 people a day coming to Christ uh, through around 1,500 volunteer workers. And uh, so we're, we're seeing tremendous uh, salvations. We're also in so many areas where there's no strong local church. So we're working uh, to plant Christ groups, and we're seeing... 80 to 90 Christ groups a day started around the world right now. And so we're uh, aggressively discipling those that get saved. Uh, in many countries where we have thousands of Christ groups, typically over half of those are going to be reproducing. That means that the leader's got the message and he's reproducing the work. So we, we value, uh, we work hard to, you know, train and equip um, and disciple uh, people so they can duplicate the work. We, um, our, our uh, motto is that the Great Commission needs to be taken literally. We, we need to get in every home and every prison cell, uh, every retirement center, uh, everywhere that people live, uh, we want to take the gospel to them and help them uh, with their eternal uh, destiny. Um, we exist to serve the church, um, not to be our own separate organization. We're uh, anywhere that there's an active church, we partner up and do our best to serve with them. Uh, uh, planning Christ groups is what we do uh, where it's necessary to disciple people. Uh, so right now, uh, while we're sitting here today, 250,000 homes are being reached uh, through our volunteers primarily. An average of a million people a day are hearing the gospel for the first time. Um, the uh, um, <clears throat> I guess there's, you know, in my history as a believer for 40 years, I've seen a lot of emphasis on uh, evangelism, a little bit emphasis on discipleship. Um, Nowadays, there are so many incredible missions that we can be a part of as a church, things that impact children at risk, things that uh, provide pure water, things that provide education, things that help women. Uh, so, so many initiatives that are valuable that we have to consider. And I'm in 100% alignment with what Rion said, that as a church, we, we need to export what we embody uh, whatever our values are. And I don't know a church in the world that doesn't care about getting people born again. And uh, if we care about that and we care about people's eternal destiny, then I hope that we'll consider, uh, you know, either doing our own missions work to get people saved or if we're not uh, prepared to ramp up what it takes to do that well, partner with an organization like Every Home for Christ and let us help you uh, reach the lost. Let us help you 
plant churches and disciple people. Uh, the other great thing that you can do uh, when you're connected with us is you can adopt a nation much the same way you would adopt a child. And that means if there's a nation where you're already active in, as a church, you can uh, work with us. We'll help you in every way that we can to, to partner with you to reach that nation more effectively. To disciple people, we'll take your uh, leaders and people on vision trips. We'll connect you with the work there uh, with our indigenous uh, teams. And what that does, um, when you bring stories back from the field, uh, your own people start to catch the vision and start to see the impact. It literally transforms churches from the inside out. And uh, we want to help you do that. We'd be glad to come host a, a weekend for you. Um, come and talk to your church on one of your missions weekends and uh, help you learn how to reach a nation, transform a nation. And we believe that we'll sync up well with everything else you're doing. Uh, also, uh, I'll open up for questions in the end, but I want to shorten my time uh, for these other excellent gentlemen. So. Yeah, um, I want to introduce uh, Jeremiah, but let me just say this. You know, sometimes we think, well, reach a nation, that sounds impossible. There are some small nations out there. I mean, some tiny ones, right? And I mean, adopting a nation is not that difficult. You know, you don't have to adopt India or China, you know, 1.4 or 1.3 billion. But you can adopt one of these little islands, you know, and that has 50,000 people. And in three, four, five years, you as a church celebrate that as a massive win that you reached a nation as a church. And so we've done that in Trinidad and Tobago. We celebrate that as a church, and it's massive. The congregation really feels the weight of accomplishment when we enter that space. Now, Jeremiah is with Heartwork. Now, Jeremiah's on staff. He, he was on staff here. Um, and while he was on staff, we have one of our values um, is really the plight of vulnerable children and, and the plight of widows and orphans. And so Jeremiah, in his journey on staff, uh, really felt just compelled. We got to do more as a church than we're currently doing. And out of, and I'll let him share a little bit more of the story, but out of that birth, this organization called Heartwork, and um, we released Jeremiah as a church to go and run Heartwork, and it's, it's had phenomenal success in the orphan world. And then uh, Pastor Brady says to Jeremiah, okay, you've had enough, you need to come back now. So he's back on staff running our community groups and doing a phenomenal job, but at the same time, still stewarding this call of hard work to provide opportunities for churches around the world and specifically America to engage in orphan-type opportunities. And then I'm going to introduce Rick at the same time. Rick is with uh, One Child Matters, and it's been a relationship that we've developed over the last three, four years. And our key partner in India that work in nine slums that have rescued over how many children? 3,300 children out of trafficking is a site where Rick and One Child Matter uh, works. And so we as a church partner with these guys, working with our partners on the ground in a similar way that we do with EHC. So Jeremiah, tell a little bit about the Heartwork story and then Rick uh, talk about One Child Matter. Yeah, so like Rian said, I, I'm one of the pastors here at New Life oversee community and groups at the church. 
several years ago, I was one of the youth pastors here. And so I'll just tell you really briefly how Heartwork was born, and I think it applies to every youth group across the country. So what had happened is we had some tragedies here at our church. If you know anything about new life and our history, uh, we had fallen on some rough times where our founding pastor, Ted Haggard, had a moral failure. And about a year after that, we had a shooting here on the campus. And so as a staff and, and as a church, we were hurting. We were in a really difficult time. And it was on the heels of that that the Lord spoke to us about caring for the orphan, for the widow, for the poor. And he spoke to us specifically Isaiah 58.10. I love that whole chapter, chapter of Isaiah 58. And in verse 10, the Lord says, If you will spend yourself. And that, those words stood out to us there. Spend yourselves in behalf of the, of the needy, the oppressed. Then your light would shine in the darkness. Your night would become like the noonday. And, and that verse just meant so much to us. It became this, this uh, cornerstone for us. And we challenged our students. It's a long and, and beautiful story, but for the sake of time, I'll really condense it to just say, we, we took an eight-week period of time and we challenged our students to live differently and to make sacrifices and to give of themselves. We didn't do fundraisers. We didn't say, hey, just show up and we're going to put a car wash together and you can just participate. But we said, guys, we're going to help the widow and the orphan. And uh, we, had a, we had a really big goal and there was a family here in the church that matched every dollar that the students gave. It was just phenomenal. But what we learned through that process is that students want to sacrifice. They want to give. And, and we said, you guys own it, okay? You're not going to just show up to a car wash. How can you live differently over the next eight weeks as we do this campaign? And so we had students working extra hours at their jobs. If they were waiting tables, they were picking up extra shifts. The ones who were too young uh, to have a job were going and doing odd jobs. They were making stuff and selling it. And just all kinds of stories flooded in. And over the course of these eight weeks, they gave thousands of dollars and that money was matched, and we gave that money uh, to build orphan homes with some pastors in, uh, in Burma, in Kenya, and Uganda. So that was the beginning of it for us, and then we have a conference every summer here at the church called Desperation Conference. And we shared that story at the conference, and sort of last minute, David Perkins, who led the conference, he says, what if we took an offering here? And so we took an offering with students, and we saw that same response. We saw... Uh, students' hearts being moved, tears flowing down their faces, they're emptying, emptying their pockets. And so we started to share that message with students around the country, working with youth pastors and churches to challenge students to spend themselves, to give themselves. What, what, part of the mission with Heartwork, we, we, are, we are about the benefit that we can bring to children around the world, but our initial goal is the benefit that we can bring to students because we're, we're trying to attack that consumer culture message. Raise your hand if you think that America is a bit of a consumer culture, right? You better all raise your hands, all right, because there's no doubt about it, it is, right? We have such wealth here, and especially with our young people, there, with every generation over the last few generations, more and more, it's, it's uh, increasing, that we're becoming consumer-focused, consumer-driven. And so we're, we're trying to offer a different kind of story to young people, 
to say, you know, life, even within the church, guys, even within Christianity, we fall prey to the consumer culture, the consumer message. We can even be consumers at church, right? And a lot of these are even subconscious ways, but we, we're, we're rating what we receive at the church, like how good was the worship, or did they do the songs that I wanted to hear, or the message from the pastor wasn't good enough, or this retreat place that we're going to as a youth group wasn't as fun as the one we did before. So we become consumers even in the church, and what we're saying is, guys, look, that is not the gospel. That is not the message of the kingdom. The kingdom message is lay your life down Give yourself. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, then you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross, which, by the way, is an instrument of execution. This is death we're talking about. Take up your cross and follow me. And so in the message of the kingdom is a message of giving yourself away. And as you do that, you find life and you find joy and you find fulfillment. This is where it's at. And so with heart work, that's what we do. We work with youth pastors, and we work with Christian schools, uh, and, we, and we challenge young people, and we have a program called 30 Days of Heart Work, where for 30 days, uh, students follow this, this program, and we've got them sleeping on the floor and eating beans and rice and, and taking cold showers and doing all kinds of things to try to empathize with what a lot of children around the world face. And as they can get a little bit of a taste, a little bit of empathy by experiencing that, at the same time, uh, they're reading scripture and they're praying and they're sacrificing. They're skipping out on Starbucks. They're skipping out on the movies. They're working an extra shift at their job or doing whatever they can to advocate for children and to give and to sacrifice. So it's really we're calling a young generation in America to rescue a young generation of children around the world. Uh, but who benefits in the process? Both. American students, their lives are transformed and then internationally or transform. So the way that we do projects, we, we challenge a group of students to live sacrificially, and then there's two ways they can do it. We can partner with something that a church is already doing if they say, well, you know, we love this message of heart work, and yeah, we really want to get our students involved, uh, but our church is already supporting this. You know, we have these missionaries we support, or this orphanage that we support. We say, fantastic, we can help engage your students with that that you already do, and we have a website that we use and all kinds of uh, you know, the social plugins, Facebook and Twitter and giving online and all this sort of features for the students. Uh, and we can, we can partner with the church. Or if they say, what projects do you have? What can we do through heart work? Then a heart work project is essentially a One Child Matters project, which is uh, our partner here. And Rick is going to tell you about that. So, so since he's going to explain a lot of what they do, I won't get into the details of that. But again, our focus and our goal is to engage students in sacrificial living, learning how to give while they're young. So before, they're, before they've got a whole lot of money to get themselves in trouble with, they've already learned how to be givers. So when they have the money, it's like, oh, I've already, I've already learned this lesson. I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to give. And so um, we, we get excited about seeing students find that passion and compassion to be opened up in their hearts. And then, uh, and then as they give, we're able to put that money to work uh, in different places around the world to see children uh, grow and hear the message of the gospel and to be educated and clothed and fed and uh, given water and all of those kind of things. But again, uh, our partner with that is One Child Matters, so Rick will give more of the details of how that works. Here you go. Okay. 
Good segue. Uh, let me just quick give you a, a little bit of background before we get into that specific and how we're working with Heartwork, which is an exciting kind of new venture for us. Uh, our, the roots of our organization go back to 1954. So we've been around a long time, a couple of missionaries in Calcutta, India, preaching the gospel and realized that there were a lot of, of hungry children, there were a lot of uneducated children, um, and that just simply preaching the gospel to them might not be getting through to what their basic needs were. And, and so started ministry to children, holistic ministry, started educational programs, feeding programs, uh, helping these kids develop socially and, of course, spiritually. And that's that's who we are. And some of you might have known us before as Mission of Mercy. And that's what that's what most of our history is. But we changed our name uh, two years ago now to One Child Matters. And it was a three-year process, and it was a very intentional process. And I think the way to really communicate who we are is in that name and why we, we chose that name, One Child Matters matters. One, meaning every individual, one, one child on this planet. We can look at, for example, global poverty, and it's overwhelming. And what can we do about that? When I first started kind of really paying attention to what was going on globally and, and uh, the, the levels of poverty, there were, at that time, 40,000 children a day dying from preventable causes. We've re reduced that number considerably, thank God. But you look at 40,000 people, even now it's 26,000 or so. That's about every time you breathe in and breathe out. A child dies of a preventable cause. That means if they just had clean water or a vaccination or the right food, simple things that we all take for granted, they would be alive today. And, but that's overwhelming. What can I do about that? And so we want to break that, that sense, that overwhelming sense, down to that one. So we believe in the, one, in the power of one, and that means one child. We also believe in the power of one person. We believe in the power of you to change the life of one child. And that's where, that's where we came across and, and employed this child sponsorship model to say it's one-to-one. -one. Don't think about 40,000. Don't think about 26,000. Don't think about the images you see almost every day of global poverty. Focus on that one. It's all God has ever called us to do, right? That's what Jesus did. Focus mostly on one at a time. Two times he preached to the masses, but he mostly focused on one person at a time. So that's the one. And then we also, and I'll get into this in a little bit more detail, we also believe in the power of one church. That has the double meaning of one united church. As we all unite in Christ, but one individual local church. Here in the U.S., and overseas, and we believe in the power of the church. We are committed. We're technically called a parachurch organization. We don't look at ourselves as that. We look at ourselves as just a branch of the church to serve the church, both here and abroad. Talk about how those partnerships form in a minute. So one, power of one, it's, it's, it's just uh, extremely important to us. Child, of course, we believe in children. We believe in, the, in that individual child and, the, and the, the power of a child to change the world around them. And you can look through Scripture. God has used children, you know, throughout Scripture. You know, David, Samuel, I mean, just go through the little boy that brought the, his, his lunch to Jesus. He does not look at children and, as secondary citizens. We all know what happened when his disciples said, oh, let's get these kids out of your way, Jesus. 
so we believe that children are change agents. They're not just, we're not just waiting for them to grow up, and, and they're not just the future church. They are the church today. They're an integral part of the church today, and we believe they can, they can change their world. And by starting with children, they can change their families, their, their communities, um, their countries, their churches. And so that's, that's we believe in, in, in children. And then matters. Uh, as I said, we, we think and believe wholeheartedly that they can change. They can be change agents. They can make a difference. They matter to God immensely. So that name is, you know, it's got a lot of, a lot wrapped into it just in that name. And so we made that transition about two years ago now because it also, it just really communicates a lot more of where we've gone over the years. You can imagine in 60 years, there's been a lot of changes in our organization. We have really come to feel our calling is to focus on children. And the mechanism for that is this child sponsorship thing. Now, I was making some notes when, when Rian was kind of setting the stage on this. And one of the things that he said is that something to the effect that, and you use the example of that, that uh, wealthy individual who was giving to outside of the church, that a lot of that money wasn't flowing through the church. I know everybody in this room, some, a lot of you probably sponsor a child, but I know that in your churches, there are many, many people who are sponsoring a child. But they're doing it with organizations like ours and, and many, many others that are much bigger than we are. And you don't even know it, but they're doing it. And that's, that's a great thing, but I'm going to tell you how we approach that aspect of it. Um, there's a lot of other things that, um, you know, you talk about holistic ministry. And that's what we believe in. We believe in, in holistic ministry to the child. The spiritual component is critical. And we work through local churches overseas. They're, the, they're our feet on the ground. We're not a sending organization. We work through existing uh, organizations and church, mostly churches and pastors, national pastors. So, uh, but we want to develop a program that is not just about feeding, not just about education, not just about social, and not just about spiritual development. We want all four of those components combined to impact the life of a child. We think that's biblical, and we think that's the best way to, to impact the child and, and to uh, see change in their lives and in, in the circles around them. So it is a very holistic approach. We, several years ago, um, really began to focus. We would had the focus on the local church you know, in 16 countries that we work in now. But... We were going, we had people going into your churches and presenting child sponsorship and having people sponsor a child. You've all seen kind of the photos and all that from, in our case, one of 16 countries. They'd walk out, they'd call the church back a year later, year and a half later. Can I come in and present child sponsorship again? And we've changed that model. And we've begun many years ago, and this is really our focus now, in working um, with individual, the individual U.S. church and matching them in a partnership directly with one of our programs, in some cases several programs if they're large enough, uh, in a very specific area. We work with them. Where do you want to be involved? It's got to be one of our 16 countries. Um, although we've had people adopt a country, too, and start a whole new country for us. But we are working 
very directly in connecting churches here in the U.S., not just with the individuals, with individual children, like, your, like child sponsorship does, but making a part of the corporate church missions program. And the way we do that is, you know, like I said, if, if you knew how much money was going through child sponsorship, you know, that's phenomenal. But we're, t we're taking that and we're saying, how about we make that a part of your church program? So how about you think of an area you want to be involved in, like Delhi, India, and your people sponsor the kids in that project. All of your people sponsor those children. And uh, we will report to you the income on an annual basis, sometimes quarterly. We'll report back to you what, those, what funds are coming in so that you know what's going out from your people to help children. But it's also a part of your missions program. So New Life Church did a, a missions, uh, a short-term missions trip to Delhi. Uh, we are facilitating that with churches all across the nation. And we basically do a turnkey for you where we will make all the arrangements on the ground. You'll buy your airfare. We'll give you the budget for in-country costs. And when you hit the ground, and we'll give you all the information you need to share with your people that are going on the trip. And when you hit the ground, you'll be met by one of our staff people, and you'll be hosted through the rest of the trip. We'll make, sure, we'll make the arrangements for capital improvements, for you want to go do VBS, you want to go do women's ministry. We'll make all those arrangements, facilitate all that for you in conjunction with you, with input from you, and in cooperation with you, in partnership with you. We make all those arrangements so that now... It's not only that you'll see your people engaged through that one-to-one -one child sponsorship, but then it, it brings this other dimension of the church owning it as well. And I tell you, that works great for the church. It also works great for the individual. Because how much more exciting if you two ladies are sponsoring a child from the same project, it's part of the church, overall church vision, rather than you're sponsoring Honduras and you're sponsoring in India. It really brings a synergy to a program, and we get pastors all the time telling us they, get they see people engage. They don't even think of it as missions, but it's missions. And they get people engaged in, in missions that don't engage in you know, other types of ways. And through that, it's my own testimony. That's what brought me into this whole thing, is just sponsoring a child myself 30 years ago. And so, we see the excitement grow, and we see a, a, a program that moves from just the individual part to a church uh, in, within the church mission structure. Now, quickly, um, with Heart Work, we've just formed a, a, a partnership where, as he said, you can go on, and we've been wanting to offer these churches that we're in partnership with a resource for their student ministries, and that's not our expertise. It's not where we're strong. Heart Work brings that to us. Now we have a vehicle for which he's explained that where we can offer to our church partners, say, listen, here's a way to engage with, with professional people who know what they're doing, to engage your student ministries and getting beyond themselves and, and helping and you know, raising funds for projects. But that's, that's just the vehicle. You know, it's it's the, what happens in the life of the kids and, and Jeremiah's uh, explained that. But we're really excited about that yeah, I just want to say, you know, missions is a lot easier nowadays than it used to be. To get involved is a lot easier. You have organizations like these three that, that provide a resource, whether it's administrative, judiciary, 
reporting, um, that just make it easy for you as a pastor to focus on educating your congregation and celebrating the win. Uh, we did not engage with One Child Matters because they have a phenomenal you know, sponsorship program more so than any other sponsorship organization. It wasn't sponsorship first. There are hundreds of sponsorship organizations out there. But for us, it was connecting with a partner in India and working with that partner church to church. We didn't even know that partner was a One Child Matter you know, recipient. But once we worked with them, we said, man, we really want to do something for the kids, but we as a church are not going to go ahead and design a sponsorship program. I already have no hair. You know, doing something like that would, you know, I don't know what I, else I can lose. But, you know, so, so let's find someone who's a specialist in this sponsorship thing, come alongside them, found out One Child Matters, did that. And so they just facilitate something for us that's a needed benefit. And our whole church now focuses on these kids in India. It's one site, one location, and everybody gets to celebrate a big win instead of sponsoring, you know, 10,000 kids in 10,000 locations. So I want us to hear kind of what you want to hear. We've done a lot of talking, but maybe some of it has landed. Maybe some of it hasn't landed, and you have a question that we can answer. So uh, please ask a question, and to whom that question is directed. Bring in the mic here. All right. Can I direct... Uh, questions to you. Is it Rian? Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain your tier system? Tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four? Yeah. So we have four tiers of design. So we have a matrix. Uh, a matrix has basically, uh, I'll quickly do the six values, and we can talk afterwards for those who are interested. We have an internal matrix, internal value that says our desire is to introduce everybody at New Life Church to a missions experience. So every single person, right? Now, that could be a short-term mission trip. That could be child sponsorship. It could be part of the youth going with Every Home for Christ to uh, evangelize and plant churches uh, in Trinidad and Tobago. But we want, or it could be coming to our missions class, right? But we want everybody to have a missions experience. Then we designed how do we express that externally. And really, we have two hinge point values. It's planting churches and training leaders and vulnerable children. And so these guys facilitate those two values. We have five, but the other three are subsequent values that make these two happen. And that is going to the Jew first, uh, unreached and unengaged people groups. So looking at places where the gospel has not gone. And then the sanctity of human life. Okay, talking about human trafficking, the plight of the unborn, and uh, genocide. And so those are our values. Now, our tiers, when we talk about partners, these guys are tier one partners. What they get, you have five streams of resources in your church. Number one, I should actually ask you, who do you think your resource, what you think your resource streams are? Number one, your greatest resource stream are your people. Great, right? Not their money, but your people. So you have doctors, lawyers, teachers, construction workers sitting in your view. So how do I get that resource to benefit the partner? Okay, so a tier one partner will get all five streams of resources, our people, our resources, our intellectual property. So New Life has a great worship culture. So we'll export our worship culture, our youth culture, our 
prayer culture, our missions culture to our partners and help them in that regard. Very specific targeted DNA transference. The third thing is money. We give money, right? It's not the first thing, it's the third thing. They get money. And the fourth thing, and I said there was five, I can't remember the fifth thing, but the fourth thing is advocacy. We live in such a world where advocacy, and I'm not talking about advocating for human trafficking, that kind of, ad, what I'm talking about is I can pick up the phone and call five pastors around the country and we can do a project much bigger than we can do on our own. So I can call five friends and say, hey, I really have something that I'm passionate about. You know, would you guys get involved? For instance, when the uh, thing happened in Haiti, we don't work in Haiti. It's not on our grid. But people in our church really wanted to give to Haiti. We raised a few thousand, you know, a couple, I think thirty or $40,000 in a week or whatever. I called a pastor in Oklahoma that I knew was working in Haiti and said, hey, I have money. What do you need? And we gave all the money to them as a church in partnership. But now I can call him back and say, hey, I'm working in India. I need 50 grand. And he'll participate. So advocates, so these guys as a tier one partner are beneficiaries of all four. A tier two partner, you know, would get some of it, not all of it, three, less, four, would really just get one of the four where it's a relationship building process. And we don't have anybody at any tier. So if someone's at a tier four, the expectation is that they'll move up to tier three, two, and one, where at the end of the day, hopefully, everyone we work with are tier one partners. It makes it difficult because you've got to say no to a lot of things in order to do some great things. I hope that answers your question. Any other questions? Come on, there's got to be at least one question out there. You did a good job. So Reed, tell me, so what are some of the questions you get as an organization? So Everyone for Christ, what are some of the misnomers, right? I mean, I, I've encountered people that meet Everyone for Christ, and they have some misconceptions, right? And you've addressed that kind of, you know, shortly. What are some of the major things that you see Every Home for Christ do around the world that most churches may not be aware of? One of, the, one of the misconceptions that happens, I think maybe we all probably suffer a bit of this, is when we have a moment like this to create awareness about what we're doing, uh, a lot of times we don't get a chance to talk about what one of the secret weapons that goes behind every bit of work we do is prayer and dedicated, committed prayer to invite God's presence and the supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit to accompany and guide what we do. Um, the uh, founder of Every Home for Christ said that uh, the third part, reaching the first third of the world would be easy, that the second third would be hard, and the third third would be bloody. And we're in 130 countries, you know, that means we've got roughly 70 countries that we're not in. And as we start to go into a lot of these new countries, uh, they're uh, Islamic strongholds uh, we're up against very strong demonic resistance and 
if it weren't for prayer, you know, our teams wouldn't last long. Uh, we still have lost people to martyrdom. Um, so uh, we depend on prayer. We don't get to say that all the time. Uh, we couldn't do what we do without the protection and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So that's that's one of the things that rarely people people say, oh, they just got great programs and great training, great materials and all this. But that's that's the other thing. And um, that's, You guys got something you want to? I would say for us, it's just the acknowledging that students can do great things, you know. It's, it, you don't have to wait until you, uh, till you're all grown up and you have a career and you're making a lot of money to be able to impact the kingdom of God. We know that's true biblically. and it's, t- To me, I'm still amazed at what we see young people do. And uh, not only in, in heart, but actually they can also give some money too. Like they... They, they've been able to really put their hand towards some great projects and, and th- therefore able to see the fruit of that, to be able to say, here's what we gave as a group. And often they are just as amazed. The students, the youth pastor, you know, all of us are like, wow, it's incredible. So calling them to, you know, we raise the bar high and say, guys, come on, you can do this. And so I'd say that was probably the main one for us. Is there any for you, Rick? Um, yeah, I think as I was talking earlier about how how an organization like ours is engaging now um, the local church here in the U.S. and and to the extent, and uh, I mean it's probably where about eighty percent of our marketing efforts, if you will, are going in terms of how we want to grow the organization is in conjunction with facilitating and helping you and your churches. Uh, communicate this message and see your people get excited um, about what uh, engagement in missions through maybe a vehicle that uh, has not been a part. And Rian's right. I mean, sponsorship, I, I, I say this all, sponsorship is messy. I mean, really, you're linking one-to-one. We're tracking that child. We're, trying to, we're tracking the donor. We're reporting back specifics on that child to the donor. I mean, it is messy, and it involves a lot of systems. And so most churches, you know, we've had churches come to us say, we started this. Help us out of it. We can't do it. And, and yet it's such a powerful tool and powerful mechanism. So that's why we're saying we can almost be like that. And we're co-branding a lot of stuff, by the way. Um, you can kind of see some of the things that we do. Or we're just, you know, co-branding. Uh, you'll hear from Jimmy Rollins uh, later on in the conference, he's a strong partner of, of ours with I-5 Church in Baltimore. And we've co-branded stuff to where it really looks and feels, because and, it is. It's the church and us working together. And I think that's been kind of a surprising thing when we've talked about it with pastors. They go, oh, really, you do that? And you report, actually, because, I mean, the sponsorship money still comes to us. It's the only way it really works. Um, but we report back to you and say, this is, this is the amount of funds that have come through your church members, we have systems that track all that as well as all the other systems that need to track sponsorship. So you can, you can be involved in something that you probably didn't think you could be involved in before in a, in a really beneficial way to your missions program and your people and, and to the kingdom. Okay, great. Well, thank you for coming. 
um, these guys have their tables outside. They would love to have some personal dialogue with you and, and just facilitate uh, answering any questions that you may have, put some material in your hands. Um, and I highly encourage you um, both, uh, and I'm going to say all three of these organizations have phenomenal opportunities for you that make missions very tangible, very easy, and they're men and organizations of integrity um, that we have filtered, that we have labored with, and we have said no to 94% to say yes to 6%. And so just know there has been a lot of no's along the way for us as a church to find the path to the yeses. And so um, you can kind of lean into our process and our weeding out uh, as you trust these guys for a holistic partnership. So thanks for coming to our time together. I'll be available. These guys will be available to facilitate any questions that you may have. Enjoy the rest of the conference. And once again, welcome to Colorado Springs and New Life Church. Yeah.